We appreciate the singing of our children this morning. And I think they're now heading downstairs for their own time together. For, for us, um, I want you to uh, turn with me to Psalm 51.5 for um, what might be a, a very unusual Mother's Day text. Psalm 51, verse 5. So you there? Psalm fifty one five. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. How many of you have heard that before for Mother's Day message? <laughs> I know it's strange, but consider the source. And it will make sense here in a minute. Here's David in his uh, uh, penitentiary Psalm 51 where he is pleading with God for forgiveness concerning his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. And he is just broken before the Lord. And he, he declares here that uh, it wasn't just this past sin that he did or a sin before that or the next one he's going to do but, but really the problem goes all the way back to even when he was born and in fact all the way back to the moment he was conceived and so he says in, behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me now that doesn't mean that the act of conception was sinful in any way. And in fact, God had told Adam and Eve to to go and uh, be fruitful and fill the earth, uh, populate it. And so it wasn't the act of conception in any way that was the sinful part. It was that even at that moment, from that time on, he was he was conceived in sin. And the Hebrew uh, "baith" there could mean with or in, in a condition of sin or with sin at the moment of conception. So you might wonder, well, how did that happen? How was, why was David born like that? Why are you and I born like that in sin, conceived even in sin? Um, how, how did that happen? How does that affect us today? Uh, if, you, if you're a mom and and you have a child over two weeks old, then, then you already know that your children are sinners. Uh, they make that pretty evident early on, but to, to think that even it's before they were uh, demanding things and whatever, it was a conception. Why is that? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 5. Last week we looked at Romans 5 verse 12. We're going to uh, pick up the thread there at Romans 5.12 and seek to answer the questions that come out of Psalm 51.5 from this text. Romans 5.12, remember from last week, 
Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And so following the therefore, we have uh, four statements connected together. Through the one man, Adam, sin entered the world. That was the first sin to enter the world. And as a result of that, death came. In fact, uh, God had told him, in the day that you eat that fruit, you shall surely die. And, and, day, and uh, Adam did. He started dying physically that day, but we also talked about different kinds of death. For instance, there's not only physical death, but there's spiritual death, and then there's also eternal death. So sin entered the world, then death because of sin, and then death spread to all men because all have sinned. Now, in verses 13 through 17, Paul enters into a parenthetical statement uh, talking about some things that are side issues that help explain that a little bit more. So we're going to look at um, what his explanation is. In verse 13 and 14, first of all, he talks about the reign of death, which is due to sin. Verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world... But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So Paul is now launching into an explanation of how the law fits into this and the accountability of man to God. You see, because... Adam had a specific command at the garden, right? Just one thing, don't eat from that tree tree of the fruit of good and evil. That one specific command. Later on, much later on, Moses received the commandments from God on the mountain and he brought them down. And and so the the nation of Israel received the, the commandments, not just the big 10, but all the commandments. And so they had specific guidelines, regulations, do's and don'ts from God well how about between Adam and Moses when there was no formalized law well that's what Paul is talking about here that even in that time um, death reigned verse 14 death reigned from the time of Adam to Moses even over those who hadn't sinned like Adam in other words they didn't have a specific uh, command from God directly to them but they were still sinners And if you remember back to what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, that people without the law are are still held accountable for their sin because their conscience, their heart is telling them, accusing them or else excusing them. People all over the world know that it's wrong to kill other people, whether they have the law or not, that we know in in our being because we are moral creatures that that's wrong. So even though they didn't have a specific um, regulation, they, they knew it was wrong and they are guilty of sin. Uh, even those who did not sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Now having brought up Adam again, he gets back to his point, <clears throat> who is a type of him who was to come. And now Paul is going to... Uh, explain what that, what that type is. Um, the, the word type 
The word type usually corresponds to something positively like uh, a negative type points to a, a, a negative antitype, a negative fulfillment. And a positive type points to a positive fulfillment of that type. And so um, the sacrifice of, of Isaac by Abraham, his willingness to sacrifice his only son, is a type of the sacrifice of God the Father of his son. It's not the, exactly the same, but a type of that. In Galatians, we read that Hagar is a type of the, of the law of Mount Sinai. And those born of her are born of the bondwoman, like those who are of the law or in bondage to the law. So it's, that's a type. It's a one-to-one correspondence. What's interesting here is that Adam is a type of him who was to come. The, as uh, 1 Corinthians 15 calls, the second Adam, the in the first Adam all died and in the second Adam all shall be made to live 1 Corinthians 15 22 so but this type is a different kind of type there is a parallel between the two but there are more distinctions between them contrasts than there are parallels we'll see as we go along and so we see that there is a, this is a type but there's something different about this type it's not what we expect. And that it is that the type is, instead of being like something, is not like something. That's why the adversative, but it is not like the offense. By the way, these notes are on the back of your, your outline. If uh, this, The same format that I have here. I forgot to tell you, I'm sorry. And so we see that in this typology, we have something unusual. That is, the free gift is not like the offense. Well, how, how does that work out? Why is the free gift not like the offense? Well, um, the word for here then exp- explains why that is. How is it that the free gift is not like the offense? Here's the explanation. For... If by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So we have, um, there are different ways to look at this. One of them is uh, uh, thematically. So we have the one man's offense. And that's repeated throughout these verses from 13 through 19. The one man's offense, the, the one who sinned, from one offense, uh, from one man's offense, through one man's offense, and finally through one man's disobedience. And so that is consistent throughout the, the offense of Adam in the sin in the garden. But we also have the contrast of that is the free gift. The free gift of the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Christ and so we have the free gift and the the gift and the gift and the free gift and the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and the free gift all by one man's obedience and so we have a contrast between what the first Adam did and what the second Adam Christ did and gave the free gift we also have a contrast of the effects of those two from the one offense, we, we see that, that many died and that, that judgment 
which resulted in condemnation came and death reigned and judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation again and many were made sinners by the one act of Adam but likewise by the one act of the righteous one Christ there's also a series of effects the, the grace of God and the gift abounded to many and the free gift resulted in justification and those who receive it will reign in life and the free gift is resulting in justification of life and by it many will be made righteous so those are the the contrast but now I want to go back through and just look briefly at one verse at a time the the contrast within each verse so verse uh, 15 so if by one man's offense and the word if there is taken in the sense of uh, sense uh, assumed to be true since one man's offense you expect an if then kind of a statement but but Paul surprises us here with instead of a then a much more if by one man's offense calamity came many died much more much more than that one thing and the calamity much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace came uh, The comparison here is not what you might think it would have been. What would have made, uh, made sense here is to read something like, For if by one man's offense many died, by one man's o obedience many lived, or something. But that's not the comparison. Paul talks about that later on, you see down here in verse 19. For by one man's disobedience, disobedience many were made sinners, and by one man's obedience men who were made righteous he does get to that but that's not how he begins because that's not the emphasis the emphasis is not on a work of righteousness the, the emphasis is on the grace of God from the very beginning that the contrast to the offense to the, the sin is the grace of God and out of the grace of God comes the gift of by the grace by the grace meaning it comes out of the grace of God so God's gift to us because of his grace of the one man Jesus Christ which abounded to many and, and so we have for the one man's offense and the one man's grace grace compared to sin not just obedience but, but the grace of God which leads to righteousness and obedience. So, um, the, the gift, again, is not like that which came. So, we have a repeat of this statement. The gift, the free gift is not like the offense. And now here's another contrast. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. And again, we have the word Four, which like that four points back to why that's true what, what's the, like, the explanation of that why is the gift not like what came through the one who sinned well um, because of a couple of things for 
The judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. And so uh, there's actually two contrasts in, in this verse. Here's one of them. From the judgment came from just one sin, that one sin of Adam in the garden. Now, remember that we're not charged with the other sins of Adam. Like, what did he do after he left the garden? Did he, did he ever lie? Did he ever cheat? Did he ever curse God? Did, you know, we're, ne- we're not told what, else, what other sins Adam might have had. We're not charged with any of those. The only one that matters that pertains to us is that first one, the original sin. From that one sin, that one offense resulted in condemnation. Not only of Adam, but those who would come from him. But, you see, the free gift is much different. Look, the free gift came from... And here again, we would expect Paul to say one righteous act. Which he does later on. But he surprises us here by saying that the free gift came from many offenses. What does he mean by that? The free gift that is given to us came because of all the sin through all the ages of all the people that they have ever done, including every sin that you have ever done, all those many offenses, however many billions and billions they may be, those are all poured out on Christ and he swallowed them up in that free gift. And the free gift came from because of the many offenses. So that's the first contrast. The second is, of course, the result. One resulted in condemnation, but the free gift resulted in justification. Now, condemnation means being declared guilty. The sin of the Adam leads to him and all of us being declared guilty, but the free gift results in justification, which, which means being declared righteous. We are declared righteous in Christ. In fact, if you look at Romans 5, 1, Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith in the work that he has done. And so, uh, the free gift results in justification. Now, a further explanation, that's why the next four here at 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one... Much more, those who receive the gift, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So again, we have the, the one man's offense. All, it keeps going back to that one sin of Adam. And what happened is death reigned from him. As we read in chapter 5, verse 12, just as one through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men. Death reigned Death dominated. Death had dominion over all life because of that one sin. For if by the one man's offense, death 
had dominion. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of grace. Now, what is, what is parallel here, what, what could be a, considered as a type in the comparison here, even though we see contrast after contrast, is that in each case, whether we're talking about Adam or we're talking about Christ, in each case, a critical spiritual condition has been introduced into the human history that affects everyone through the act of one man. So through the act of the one man, Adam, death reigned. Sin came. Through the one act of the second Adam, Christ, life comes. Life reigns. Justification results. And so, it is that you are related to one or the other. You are either related to Adam, and your lot is cast with him, or you are related to Christ, and your lot is cast with him. It's one or the other. Um, and the act that they produce, the sin act and the cross act, uh, results in... Uh, in a determinative impact on every life. So, by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one. But much more, again, we, we come across that much more. Paul keeps repeating this much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. And here, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Paul wants to assure us that even though the offense was great, the, the gift is much greater than the offense. And here is, in the center of the, the whole passage, is this qualifier. That those who receive, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, those who believe Jesus came into his own John 1 tells us and his own receive him but to them who did receive him to them he gave the right the power the exyokes the authority to become the children of God even to those who believed in his name John 1 12 and so those who receive him who are born again receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And because of that, they, they will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 18. Now, 13 through 17, as I said, has been a parenthetical statement. And you could go from verse 12 right into verse 18, skipping the parentheses, and it would make sense. Because verse 18 now gets back to the point of verse 12. So let's, without forgetting, hopefully, what we just looked at, read verse 12, and then we'll go into verse 18. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Now, verse 18 Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, 
the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life so the therefore it is Paul's conclusion to this and he kind of restates some things here as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation just just what he had said up here the same thing judgment came resulted in com- condemnation judgment came resulting in condemnation even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came resulting in justification of life which uh, an element he adds so the, uh, the the free gift here comes to to all men now the problem with this is some people take this as universalism that is that since the free gift came to all men if judgment came to all men we all suffer because of Adam's sin and the free gift comes to all men resulting in justification of life then isn't all, aren't all men all people automatically saved you see how if you had just that verse you could kind of read that from that couldn't you well that's why it is important to recognize how Paul has qualified all men before that all all those who have received the gift who have the abundance of grace all those people receive justification of life um and and then verse 19 is a summary statement for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous okay let's go back to the other side of your your notes and we'll we'll talk about how this works So what is our relationship to the, um, the first Adam and the last Adam? We can see from that passage that we're definitely tied into them. But in what way? How are we tied into them? And why are we tied into them? How can we be? So let's take the, the first Adam first. There, there are two different ways in which we might possibly be tied into the first Adam. The first one is, I think, the most obvious, and that is uh, as our relative. That is, you have a, a mom and dad, and you got some genes from them. I'm not talking about blue genes. You got your DNA from them, right? And so you're tied into them, and they had a mom and dad, and you had got genes from them, and some were pretty good, and some were questionable, and but there's your mix, and you all the way back to what makes you you um, and so we are connected genetically now they wouldn't have thought in those terms exactly because they didn't know about DNA back then but still God is, is giving us this truth which is um, relevant for today as it was then even if they didn't understand genetic coding and so forth but look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 9 and 10 
In Hebrews chapter 7, uh, the author is talking about a remarkable person named Melchizedek, who is called the king of righteousness, who appears in uh, one place in the Bible, and that's Genesis 14. And Abraham, um, when he came back from the spoils of getting rescuing Lot and so forth, paid a tithe to Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of Jerusalem. And, uh, and so in, in the flow of the thought here, as is, is the writer's talking about Melchizedek, he, he says something in verses uh, 9 and 10, which is interesting. Uh, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Uh, Levi was not even born when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. It would be hundreds of years later until Levi was born. But because he was a descendant of Abraham, he was related back and related back through generation all the way back to father Abraham so genetically he was related to Abraham and so what the author here is making a point of is that in, in a way Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek not, not knowing it of course though he was in the loins of his father at that time so this is a verse that um, is is normally used to show how we could be related back to um, Adam and be uh, credited with his sin. Here in a positive sense, Levi is credited with having given an offering. But in a negative sense, we are credited in a sense that it is imputed to us, given to us, counted to our behalf, Adam's sin. Uh, because we are related back to him. Uh, by birth. Now go back to Romans chapter 5. That, that's a part of the answer and a possible solution is that in the same way we're all related to Adam physically we get characteristics from him so spiritually and uh, Adam was made remember a uh, not only a physical but a spiritual being and somehow when he fell in that sin his, his, um, his nature was changed forever and he passed that fallen nature on to us uh, as his progeny. Another way to look at this is that Adam is our representative. He did something representing us and as our representative, because he failed, we fail with him. Verse 18, for instance, says, uh, Romans 5, 18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. So it's through that one man's offense that the judgment came to all of us, and the result is condemnation for all of us. In some way, Adam represented us when Adam fell we all fell because he was our representative now it's at this point that, that people often want to raise an objection and me too and that is 
wait a minute, I didn't vote for Adam to be my representative. Like you might have voted for a senator, or congressman, or whatever to go to Washington or the uh, state capitol to represent you, and you hope that they are accurately representing you. But here is a, what about this Adam guy? I didn't vote for him, did you? You remember voting for him? So wait a minute, I want another representative. I want someone else to be my representative. Let me see now, who will I choose? Hmm, who do I know who's sinless? Kurt, are you sinless? Twyla, is he sinless? Ah, he's not, huh? Okay, you would know. Uh, I know that I wouldn't be a good one to go back there and do that, but how about if I pick someone else who hadn't sinned yet and put him back there? See, the supposition would be that maybe I could make a choice that was better than God's choice. What do you think the odds of that are? I'm going to outdo God here. I'm going to say, you know, you shouldn't have put Adam there as, the, as my representative. I, I, want, I want to, let's go two out of three here. I want another chance. And let me pick someone. Do I suppose I would have picked someone more qualified than God to represent me or us? I don't think so. We, we have to... I mean, you have to come to the conclusion that whatever God does, he does well, perfectly right. As for God, his way is perfect. Psalm 1830, right? His way is perfect. He never makes a mistake. He didn't make a mistake in, in creating Adam and how he created him. Um, now, how about our relation to Christ? And again, there are two ways that we could be uh, um, related to him. First is uh, as our relative. In this case, not meaning as our physical relative because Jesus had no children, right? So there's, there's no progeny from him. There are no sons and daughters, grandkids. There's, so there's no physical relationship back that way. But there is... Uh, in a sense a way that we become relatives and if you look at Romans chapter 8 <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 verse 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God or the children of God as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We are adopted into the family. We are related to God the Father because of adoption. No, we're not physical descendants of Christ, but we've been adopted into the family and we are related for eternity to Him. And verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, by we're related physically as a relation back to Adam in a physical birth. We are related to Christ by a spiritual birth. That's why people must be born again. Because if you're just born once, just born physically, your only relation is back to the first Adam. If you're born again, you're born spiritually, your relationship is to Christ. And God is your father. But now also, not only as our relative, but as our representative, that is in, uh, we see that in a couple ways in chapter 5. Look at chapter 5, uh, verse 8, for instance. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died in our place for us as our substitute, as our representative. When he died on the cross and he took on our sin, it was in our place, our representative nailed to a cross and everyone who comes to the cross has all their sin taken away. And so you are either related to the first Adam and that sin in the garden and you are fallen or you are born again related to Christ on the cross as our representative who represents you before the throne of God. Fallen man or the risen Lord. Verse 17 Romans 5, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And finally, verses 20 and 21, we see abounding sin and the answer of superabounding grace. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, that's another strange statement from Paul. This is uh, several times he tells us something that we don't expect here. You, you would think this would say, and moreover, the, the law entered. The reason that the law was given was so that people would know right from wrong and choose to do right and would be more pleasing to God, not less pleasing to God. Think that would be the effect of the law and the purpose of the law, right? Not so. Paul says surprisingly here, moreover, the law entered that, here's the purpose, the offense might abound. Now he's going to explain that in Romans chapter 7 in a much more degree and we'll spend several weeks on Romans 7 when we get there but but for now we note that the the offense abounded because of the law you see when it's it's as if um, think about Adam did did it help him that there was a law don't eat from this tree no it proved the character 
of his heart that he was a sinner. And so uh, for, for us, what law does is it shows us our sin. Law becomes like a mirror. And we look at it, we see the high standards of God, and we, we then look at ourselves and realize how, how far we come from the high standard. And that sin abounds. We see it more clearly and more clearly. Where, so where law entered, the offense might abound. But, here's the good news, where sin abounded, grace superabounded. Grace abounded much more. You can you cannot outsin God's grace. You cannot sin beyond a point that God's grace is able to cover it. However much you sin, grace abounds much more. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death how Paul began this in verse 12 sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord the superabounding grace leads to eternal life and eternal life will reign in your life if you are connected to the representative Christ and related to his family through his death on the cross. Now, perhaps you think I've given you some good news today in that you can sin as much as you care to, as much as you possibly can, and you will never outsin the grace of God. His grace is greater still. Some of you may be thinking, hmm. I can punch that guy out at work. <laughs> I can get by with this. Just a sneak preview of next week, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, Paul anticipates that question coming up. Hmm, so you think you can get by with it? That, no, that's not the idea here. It's not the idea. But uh, that's for next week. We'll, we'll get to what that's about next week, Lord willing. But for now, it is a comfort, isn't it, to know that even though we continue to sin, God is gracious to us. None of us are perfect. And though we try to, to become more and more like Christ, we haven't reached there yet. But God has not given up on us. And his grace is sufficient. It is more than sufficient for every sin. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your super abounding grace. And we, we know that we are sinners at, at birth and by choice that all of us have sinned before you but you have made a way through your son and our savior thank you for the, the grace and the gift by the grace that leads to righteousness and life forever 
I pray for each one here, Lord, if, if there's anyone who has not placed their faith and trust in you, that even this day they might do that. For those of us who, who already know you and rejoice in your mercy, which is renewed every day, and your grace, which is all-sufficient, and your love, which is never-ending, we pray, God, that we would magnify you in our hearts, rejoice in you in this week. And Lord, we thank you also for uh, this day to remember moms and what they have meant to, to us in our lives. Uh, some of our moms have passed on already. We seek to honor their remembrance. Those that we still have with us, we thank you for and pray that we would honor them in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.